Living News Stories by the Rev. Raleigh Weaver, February 6, 2011, First Church and Parish in Dedham. I realized as I was about to put my pen to the page or my fingers to the keyboard (laughs) to write this sermon that it would be much easier to write about how wrong the stories are that marketed our present industrialized society to our ancestors than it would be to offer up instructions to help us live new stories. It would be easy to spend this morning exploring the scriptural differences between the literal Bible and the interpretations of Jesus, and then point out how, as Joseph Campbell suggests, Jesus' words have been misinterpreted to support the institution, when in reality the story of the scriptures reveal are more about interpersonal connections and love. We have, on occasion, explored in worship the way society grounded in the stories of the importance of the individual rather than the importance of the common good, have affected the plight of the disenfranchised in our society. We have also read stories of how the unchecked myths about capitalism have allowed greed to flourish in our society. And after the week I have had, I could offer you countless anecdotes about how the stories embedded by our American Medical Association have the potential to obstruct the natural healing potential of love. I have much to say on all of these subjects, but those are the old stories, and this morning I want us to explore how to live new ones. In truth, I no longer want to talk about the old stories. I'm tired of the old stories. You know, the ones of salvation, of a hero saving the day, the ones that leave me looking for redemption outside of myself and leave us with a medical model that tells us something isn't quite right with the way things are. When I speak of stories, I am not simply talking of the Christian message, although I do think it helps to be aware of how the Christian story has fashioned our cultural expectations of life. As Joseph Campbell pointed out, the ideas of saviors and virgin births have helped to give context to the lived human experience in many cultures and time periods, but it is how these are reinvented in stories and retold and retold and retold that expand or limit our human potential. Christianity has been both a liberating perspective and a limiting dogma for a wide variety of individual spirits for generations. As I have sat with Diane in the hospital this week, I have seen the way caregivers both consciously and unconsciously use these stories to inspire their work or help them make sense of life. Sometimes, of course, having a story or a context is helpful to make sense of someone you've just met. When you start from a place of story, if someone you don't know comes to you for care, who talks of miracles, you can immediately place them as a person of faith and pull out your tools of prayer to help them. One gift of having a story to give your life context is that it helps us to have a language to speak to each other. The problem, of course, is that having a set dialogue and an overarching construct to view the world can also make it difficult to really listen and see another person and their point of view. If we start from a place of story and we never move beyond it, 
Our story or our expectations fill the silences in the conversation and hold the potential of limiting another person's lived experience. My first suggestion on how we can live new stories is to begin to try to live story-less. To do this, we must begin by exploring and recognizing what stories we carry with us. This is probably the most difficult thing to do. As Joseph Campbell pointed out, there are centuries of politics and institutionalism that are based upon the constructs developed by an Augustinian view of God. If you grew up in the Christian faith, as I did, you may already know that Augustine of Hippo, while a great philosopher on many counts, is most notorious, or celebrated, depending on your perspective, for offering the doctrine of original sin. Augustine is well known for his skillful use of rhetoric in articulating Christian ideas that the Catholic Church later made into creed. Although some of Augustine's conclusions differ greatly from my own, in his exploration of faith and his ability to use his own reason and experience to make up his own mind, he is no different from any Unitarian Universalist. What fascinates me about his conclusions is how one person's story, even if I disagree with it, can shape a culture and offer a worldview for many. Augustine was born in 354 AD and struggled to make sense of a loving God in an evil world and formulated his own stories to explain how human sin was as a result of human freedom gone wrong. As a result of Eve and Adam eating the forbidden fruit, thus developing the doctrine of original sin. The stories that Augustine articulated between good and evil have permeated everything from rhetoric of our recent politicians to the way theologians make sense of tragic events. However, good and bad are man-made concepts. This Augustinian dualistic thinking has become such an integral framework of our cultural consciousness that we all have a hard time seeing beyond it. I see the problem with this black and white thinking limiting even the nurses in the hospital by setting up categories and structures to see people without really allowing them to be seen. How many times these past few weeks I would wait outside Diane's room while she was cared for to have a nurse emerge from her room a mere few minutes later to tell me what a good person she is. While we all know this to be true, and it probably doesn't do much harm to anyone when the briefest conversation of faith and hope allows a caregiver to view a patient in the most beneficial light, it is hard to imagine that if one patient is labeled as good, another might be labeled as bad. At the same time this was happening, Diane, who took great care to remember all of her caregivers' names, described at times feeling invisible and unlistened to while she was in the hospital. And I believe this is because once some caregivers quite unconsciously had a story to fit their patient into, they had a script to use and did not open to any more clues as to Diane's individual nature. It is easy to understand why this happens. Nurses and doctors have very little time and many people to see. 
Just as with our own stories, their stories act as a sort of shorthand, helping them to get the job done. This happens for most of us quite unconsciously. We can decide quickly what works and what does not work based on our internal stories. Recognizing this is the first step to living story-less. Having some awareness of what stories we're telling ourselves and recognizing when they help us and where they might limit us is vitally important in living into a new story. Having grown up in the Methodist church with a Methodist minister grandfather and church-going parents, I felt a particular need to live in right relationship with the expectations or story of the church. The problem from my more mature perspective now is that I felt the story of the Methodist Church was telling me that I was inherently unworthy and needed the grace of God to be set free. In my youth, I couldn't believe that God would grace me with forgiveness because I believed that my many flaws were too great to ever be made worthy, and so the story I kept telling myself was that I could never make up for the unworthiness I was born with. And all I could do would be to strive to be good and to pray for a miracle. This sounds silly to me now, as I hope it does to you. And yet I will admit that even as I shed this flawed and shameful theology, I continued to strive to to do good in every situation. I went out of my way to help others in unconscious ways to earn divine approval and to make a difference in the world. The story I had been living with had become a habit. Living without a story had be, had some drawbacks, too. I had no limits to what I was prepared to give. I felt a bottomless pit of need to be filled up. I had not structures to understand the well of life I was tapped into or the ability to say yes or no to requests for help. And so I easily became tired and burnt out. Then a few years ago, I went to see Roshi Bernie Glassman give a lecture at Harvard Divinity School. Roshi Bernie Glassman is a Buddhist who believes in social witness, the process of showing up and being present in all situations. In his lecture, he offered a simple metaphor that shifted my perspective and offered me a new story to tell myself about caregiving. In short, what he said was basically... When you go to the refrigerator, you don't say, Oh, there's no cheese, so I won't eat. You say to yourself, What is here? I will make supper. And you make supper with what you have. He went on to explain the reality of how we can only make an offering with what we have. This new story that he offered me suggested that all that is required is that I do my best and I offer what I have. This has raised within me an awareness of what I have to offer and an ability to show up and really open to what is presented. This idea that I can only make an offering with what I have eliminated within me the restless striving I was taught to engage in and offered a new story of showing up and offering more from my heart. Sitting in the hospital, it is easy to see which caregivers walk around with stories of Jesus saves or or medicine saves or science saves or even there is nothing I can do, and which ones 
are walking around with stories like, how can I help? What can I offer? And even, being here is enough. Because we are a creedless and doctrineless church, I will never presume to tell you which story will nourish your soul. Only you can determine what tales can liberate your former self to flicker in the shadows and enable you to fly. Only I only know that once you've found those stories, they need to be shared. Individual liberation is all well and good, but it is when new ideas of living are shared openly, when stories are shared openly, when visual representations are offered and consistent messages are retold and retold and retold, that these ideas become connected to action. Letting go of the old may still require that we examine all that we've been taught, but let us strive to live beyond those messages and open our souls to all the infinite possibilities that real connections to life and to each other contain. This, my friends, I am certain of. This telling and retelling of new, original stories, these drawings of our life's experience, this striving to see things in a new way are all the tools that are required to live into the newness of life.